Today's podcast is sponsored by LSC, a credit union service organization that provides products and services that allow credit unions to exist, compete, and thrive in the financial marketplace by meeting the demands and needs of current and prospective members. LSC is a payment services provider with credit union member-focused strategy. They offer multiple debit, credit, and prepaid processing platforms to facilitate seamless integration to a credit union's core processor. With flexible and comprehensive reward strategies to optimize membership growth and retention. All customer service and implementation needs are handled in house, providing quality assistance and controlled costs to credit unions. LSC also has portfolio development programs to review a credit union's portfolio and create a customized analysis that offers information and solutions to make the credit union's card program more profitable. Visit lsc.net for more information. From the Credit Union National Association, this is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people, credit union ideas. I'm Ron Joe, Senior Editor with CUNA. Today my guest is John Cassidy, President and CEO of Sierra Central Credit Union, headquartered in Yuba City, California. Sierra Central has three branch offices in the Redding, California area, right in the heart of one of the area's most affected by the California wildfires. As John will testify in this podcast, both Sierra Central's members and employees were drastically impacted by the devastation of this summer's wildfires. But John's employees never wavered during the crisis. They continued serving members, even when the crisis was at its pinnacle. And under John's leadership, Sierra was there to provide relief to firefighters, first responders, and other care providers, offering generous financial support food and water, and even popsicles. Here John tells his story and also shares some additional insight on an annual charitable event, Sierra Central Hosts. The event, that's the name of the benefit, provided a welcome and upbeat break from the daily battle with wildfires. John, tell me just in context, how bad has this wildfire season been in California? Well, as the Ron, as the newspapers and the national media and the regional media and the state media and the state of California will have been reporting, uh, this is the worst wildfire season in the history of California. You have literally, literally hundreds of thousands of acres that have been uh, burned. Um, this is on the heels of last October's fire season, which up to this point in time was the, was the worst in Northern California. It was the city of Santa Rosa alone lost 6,100 homes. Um, this particular fire season, what, nine months later, roughly, with the number of fires in Northern California, north of San Francisco, north of Sacramento, and across a lot of about, I think, 400 miles, they're saying, footprint is much bigger than the county of Los Angeles, Los Angeles County. Uh, where these fires have continued to dump ash and smoke. As I look out my window to the west, uh, I have a mountain range, the smallest in the world. It's called the Sutter Buttes, and it's less than a mile from me, and I cannot see it right now. Normally, it's just it's a beautiful uh, rolling set of uh, small mountains that pop up, and right now the smoke is so thick, I cannot see them. I'm less than a mile away. The fires continue to burn. And I, I guess that goes without saying that the firefighters have done a wonderful job. And, and uh, as we speak, it's August 20th, Monday, August 20th. And uh, they've contained a lot of it, haven't they? 
Um, they have. They've got, I'm going to call last numbers I saw uh, late last week, about 65% containment. They've had some other lightning-created fires in the same regions kind of pop up and, and uh, been a challenge that are adding to the, uh, the challenges. But you brought up the firefighters. There's over 14,000 firefighters battling these fires in Northern California. And they're coming from all over the United States, New Zealand, Australia. Amazing the effort to get these fires under control and try to save some uh, structures and lives. The Redding Fire, uh, which is called the Car Fire, C-A-R-R, that, that really got all the headlines because it's the hottest fire ever recorded. In the Redding, uh, in Redding California, the Shasta Lake Forest area, Redding lost, uh, residents have lost so far 1,077 homes of which, to this point, we have about 65 members who have lost their homes that have been affected. I've got 24 employees. We have three branches in the Reading market. Fortunately, none of our folks uh, have, have lost their homes so far. Several were displaced, and obviously we took care of hotels and food and lodging and that kind of thing to help them, as well as what we've been doing for our members and the communities that we serve uh, through this crisis. But it's been, yeah, they're, so they're, they're, they're somewhat contained, depending on the way the winds are, they hopefully can get all these fires under control. Lake Shasta, or excuse me, Shasta Lake itself, which is a 365-mile shoreline lake, which is a huge economic area for the North State. A lot of uh, marinas, houseboats, boaters, a lot of economic activity takes place in and around the lake restaurants. Uh, and Mount Shasta is just above there. That tourist economy now going on about three and a half weeks has just been totally devastated. I've got Two friends that own marinas up there, and one of them has lost about $400,000 in revenue alone from houseboat, boat rentals, gas sales, food sales, that kind of thing, because the summer months are, that's, that's basically their harvest season, and they've been really dramatically affected, as have the restaurants and many of the stores, gas stations, what have you, because so many thousands of people travel to that lake every summer, especially in the middle of summer, the houseboat, recreate, ski, fish, you name it, it's been a big uh, economic challenge for that region and will be for the, obviously, for the remainder of the summer. Now, you're based in Yuba City, but you have branches in, in Redding, uh, which is, that's part of the car fire, I believe. Um, and, Correct. And, and you've been on the front lines. Can you kind of describe what the mood has been there? That's a great question. So the, the first time, you know, somebody throws a brick at you and hits you between the eyes, you get stunned. So Redding, California is a beautiful north, northern California community surrounded by forests. It's in the top third of the state, a hearty, uh, great community, wonderful people. Lumber, lumber industry was huge there for years. A lot of recreation with the, the upper Sacramento River comes through there. It's a beautiful stretch. A lot of outdoor activity, hiking, fishing, boating, you name it. And those folks have, like I said, they've been stunned. You lose 1,070-plus homes. In a community of that size, population there is probably a couple hundred thousand. It'll rock you to the core. That We have so many members that are coming in, and our employees in all three branches have done a phenomenal job. My president, chief operating officer, Ron Sweeney, and his team, Russell Flores, uh, Des, they've done a great job of really trying to help members get through this crisis. Because when you lose everything, or your neighbors are losing everything, your family members are losing everything from a fire, you've got to start over. Never expecting to have that kind of a disaster come through subdivisions, much like happened in Santa Rosa last October, and frankly here in, in 
right near Yuba City here, where we lost 119 homes last October with the with the wind-driven fires, including our CFO lost her home. It's a real challenge. It's a wake-up call. It's scariest moment you'll ever face when uh, when those kind of disasters occur. We're headquartered here in Yuba City in 1986 and 1997. We had two major floods hit our region. So when people lose everything, have to start over. You know, getting getting the support from your financial institution. In, in in the case of Sierra Central Credit Union here in Redding, California, you know, we've reached out with special you know special loans to help people with their basic necessities. They can get up to five thousand dollars if they're members. A uh, real simple screening process to get the loans as long as they're members, and two percent uh, rate on that, and no, don't have to start paying until ninety days. And then all the Obviously, people that have lost their homes based on their insurance coverage and their need, we're helping them deal with those issues as well with, with extensions and what have you. Our real estate team and our, our lending team led by uh, SVP, Dave Kelsey, doing a great job holding people hand, hands and trying to get them through this. But when your frontline employees hear, you know, over and over every day, you know, one tragic story after another, you know, it can affect you. So we've been really supportive of our employees, making sure that, They've got the tools and uh, people around them to help them help our members deal with the crises that they're that they're uh, facing. The, the economy in Reading obviously has been stunned as well because it's a, it's a huge tourist region and just normal activity. Our car dealer partners up there have been affected greatly because people aren't out buying cars. You know, commerce kind of stops because you're trying to reassess and get your feet back on the ground and get your basic necessities from diapers if you need them to fill in a refrigerator and finding a new home, new place to stay uh, and start your life over. You know, we were really proud and happy to be right when the when the fires affected everybody and, and they had to evacuate, you know, the 40,000 people in the, in the west end of, of Reading and the north end. We were one of the first groups to be out there to support feeding all these people. We donated $16,000 the first four days to make sure residents that Got out and had, you know, had the ability to be fed at, at Shasta College. We partnered with with their foundation because they were the evac center. And uh, uh, Guy Fieri even came up on Sunday and did it, did it, cooked and worked his tail off with his team. And on the Sunday, right at the beginning of these fires, the third day. And so we were proud to partner with the community up there to really help people. The initial stages when people are in shock and they're just trying to get food and diapers. We had from the Yuba City community where we're headquartered here. That's where our headquarters is. We've got a two-story, 52,000-foot headquarter building here. We had partnered with all the local businesses here and brought up diapers and additional food, even popsicles is as uh, simple as that can sound. You know, when you got 110-degree heat and people are fighting for their lives and they're just need, trying to catch a break, the local hospital, right out of Venice Hospital, brought up popsicles and served it all over town and at the EVAC Center. And those are little things sometimes that take the edge off people and that put a lot of smiles on people's faces as well. But I'm really proud of our employee team, our board of directors supporting our efforts to invest in helping people get through this crisis. And we'll be doing even more uh, as time goes on to help fundraise to, uh, to help the folks. We lost a firefighter member at our Reading West Branch, longtime member who died. He was the first casualty in the fires. And we'll be working on the efforts to help his family obviously get through that loss. So you provide, can you kind of backtrack a little bit? You, uh, I just, I wanted to ask you formally, uh, the, the relief that you provided, uh, you provided $16,000 in support and, uh, you brought, you brought food up to the, to help people out too. 
Yeah, we had uh, we got uh, involved with the Shasta College Foundation because Shasta College was the evac center, and as the Red Cross and the other agencies were ramping up and getting ready to go. I've been through these crises enough time to know that it takes some time for, for things to really get put together. And having been through two floods, I know that the first real need is food, diapers, blankets, those kind of things, and food being the critical one, food and water. So we jumped in and partnered with Shasta College by donating money to their foundation. And then we also funded a group that went up and, and cooked on uh, – the first day and the and the second day of the crisis, actually, the group was was from Yuba City, and they went up there, set up uh, just an amazing food service area with barbecues, and they cooked for thousands of people for three days. And uh, we also sent up Rolling Stone Pizza, partnered with Jim King. He went up and and cooked 500 pizzas on the Tuesday, the fifth day of the uh, when the fires and when when the evac centers were full. He cooked 500 pizzas. We we paid for that. Uh, fed firefighters and evacuees, and so uh, we've continued to support that effort in a variety of ways. And one thing you mentioned, your disaster recovery plan, and, and we've talked about this before, but um, sadly, you have been through d- these kind of disasters before. You, you really know what you're doing in these situations. Yeah, it, it obviously, you know, it's not the experience. This is not a topic you want to become an expert of. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But Pete Henderson, my chief technical officer, he's, he's our CIO. He has that plan, you know, locked and loaded. Our uh, audit accounting team, Jerry Garcia and that group, our uh, RVPs, we can jump into a disaster in pretty good shape with our communication trees and what we know we need to get done to meet our members' needs, keeping our call center up and running, keeping our technology up and running so people can have access to cash, making sure our ATM networks, networks up communicating through all our electronic platforms so people know where they can go to get help, where they can go to get cash, and, you know, working with our vendors to make sure those things are happening. And every crisis is unique. And I don't care how well you plan. The first 24 hours is always a little bit chaotic um, because people, first and foremost, need to get their families situated, resettled. I'm talking about our employee teams. Uh, And even the first responders that are local, they get their families you know, taken care of and safe, safely put in place first, and then they go 28 7, 48-7, whatever you want to call it, they go nonstop. So that first 24 hours is a critical period, and uh, our folks responded really well because our, our, disaster, we, our, our experience with these type of disasters and our disaster recovery plan uh, has the mechanisms and processes in it to help us get through these things. I guess for other credit unions, are there, are there, any, other, are there any lessons that you could offer other credit unions for uh, whether it's wildfires or tornadoes or what would you share with other credit unions? Well, I, th- I think first and foremost, communication is the key. And none of us, you know, communicate perfectly, but we have all these devices. I think one of the things I always tell people is what you learn really quickly is if, if cell towers go down, you know, how do you contact people? Can you still text? Can you email? Do you have the spouses, even other family members, contact information because people people's batteries fail even their chargers fail maybe they're out of power and they can't charge their phone for, for certain periods of time so you know the communication trees links backup communication plans that you have locations for people to meet at uh, escape routes that people should be aware of all those things come into play making sure that your plan is updated every year with new information new phones new employees new spouses, phone numbers, 
all that can become very critical when you need to communicate in, in a disaster situation. And it's a lot easier to have that information gathered before you need it. And again, I'm not going to sit here and say everything you know runs perfectly with your plans because they don't. Because every situation is different. People end up in different locations for different reasons. There's always something that's unplanned that happens that you you work through, and that's just the reality of things. Hopefully, what I'm what I'm telling you is helpful. But the communication part of it, making sure that you've got it as deep as you can and as up to date as you can. Will, will help you solve a lot of ills. What was your members' most immediate need? Was it cash? Yeah, and, and we've learned that through the floods that we've been through and the fire uh, last October, obviously. Yeah, I mean, you want to make sure they have an availability to get cash. You want to make sure that, you know, you can give them, if things go down, you can give them $500. You can get them access to that quickly in an ATM situation. And maybe they haven't hit payroll yet. You want your, and unfortunately, our tech people, even during the floods when we had them here, they were here. We have a two-story building. They were upstairs making sure all that was operating and available. And we, we could make some decisions on a case-by-case basis if we had to, coordinating with our call center, sometimes with our branches. Um, I'm really proud. Our downtown branch in West Reading that Robert Glios manages, it was up and running. Friday was the really, really bad day for the fires. It kicked off on, th- on a Thursday. On that Friday, we had to close the branch because the city streets were basically locked down and our employees couldn't get to and from, and they needed to get their family situated. But we were the only financial institution downtown Reading of the major financial institutions in the area that reopened on Monday. And we had planned to close on Monday, but our employees said, no, no, we can get there. We want to be open for our members. They're going to need our help. And there were some of those, some other financial institutions, and I'm just no knock, they maybe couldn't get back there. They didn't get open until Wednesday. And so we were, we took a lot, we helped a lot of people that were non-members as well during that period on that Monday uh, and on Tuesday where they couldn't get support from, from other, other financial institutions in the area. So we were really proud of that. I also stayed in contact with Terry Vanderpool, the CEO of Members First, uh, who also has offices in Reading. They're headquartered there. And uh, they got a lot of support also from uh, Brett Martinez in Santa Rosa from Redwood Credit Union, who had basically could write the, the white paper or the thesis on how to deal with disasters after what they handled last year in Santa Rosa. So, but Terry and I stayed in, in contact too to make sure we could support each other and and our, our members that might need help from one credit union to another. So, uh, it was great to have that line of communication open. And I will tell you this: I, I got calls from major CEOs of, of large credit unions and small all over Northern California, Southern California. Nader Ogadam, the CEO for Financial Partners in Los Angeles was on the phone all the time trying to see what they could do to help. Wally Murray from Greater Nevada in Reno was trying to make sure that we, we had support. Dave Roten down at Safe Credit Union. Barry Nelson at Travis. Brett Martinez at Redwood. So many folks throughout the state. Ed Turk from Heritage just wanted to know what they could do to help support any issues that we had. And our partners with CUNY Mutual, Bob Trunzo, was on the phone. Tony Butel from CU Direct. Diana Dykstra, our California Credit Union League. CEO. So the industry, this industry, that's the special thing. When when there's a crisis, this industry pulls together. It's, it's what makes the credit union industry so special. It's real people at the grassroots level doing what's right in the communities that we serve. And it's really inspiring to be part of that. And to backtrack, another thing that I wanted to ask you about um, because you said you had 24 employees in, uh, displaced. 
And uh, I know that they must have been really stressed too. And it must have really been difficult for them to, to keep their heads up. But obviously, they, they've done a, they did a great job for you. So um, I imagine you have, want to give a big hat tip to them as well. Oh, yeah. As I mentioned earlier, uh, our employee team up there uh, in the Reading market, our Anderson branch and our two Reading branches, Aaron, Amy, and Robert, the leaders of those three branches, just have done a phenomenal job as have their employees. The stress that you deal with, really, you know, our employees aren't trained to deal with that on an ongoing basis. They're not crisis counselors, right, but right. they become that in many ways. And I'm glad you asked that question because we're very conscious of the stresses that they're under dealing with that. And we've done a whole lot of, I think, creative and, and appropriate things to take the, the burden off them to make sure that they're not being overly affected or long-termly affected by what they're having to deal with. And they've done a remarkable job. And we have counselors available and obviously, you know, you do some things on the lighter side with, with food and coffee and, and just a lot of conversations. I've been checking in with those folks personally at least every other day through the crisis to make sure, because they don't need me bothering them all the time, but to let them know that we're here, whatever they need, any situation comes up, just run it up. If you have to call me, call me. We'll get, some, we'll get something there that, that is needed. And they've been just fabulous. Again, like I said, we, we've had, unfortunately, been in the middle of too many of these crises. The last couple of years now, we had the Orville Dam uh, stressful situation where that almost uh, broke loose and failed, uh, almost failed last year uh, in April, where we had 200,000 people in the communities we serve, about 30,000 of our members evacuated on a moment's notice on a Sunday night. And we had the same type of challenges, making sure they could get cash and uh, they had places to stay. And we were uh, open for business to help them. So unfortunately, you, you open the conversation with, you know, you've probably gotten more experience or gotten too good at this at this point. Well, you never want to get too good at this. And, and again, we, we don't do things. We're not perfect by any stretch. But I think overall, using our employees and Reading as an example, they got back there on that Monday to help our members. And that's pretty much throughout the organization what happens. Heroic efforts by, on the part of many people. And finally, uh, just to kind of change gears, and actually we can end this on a, a positive note. You, uh, before we got on, we discussed a, a charitable event that you had going on, which is actually called the event. Why don't you tell, uh, tell me a little bit about that? This event I created with Peachtree Golf and Country Club six years ago with Nate Pomeroy, the general manager at that time, and now Jeff Muncy has taken over from Nate and done a great job as well. And we wanted to do something special for our community. That, that particular venue is the event center for the Yuba Sutter community where we are headquartered here in Yuba City. And the idea was to make money for a worthy charity every year because there's always a different need every year, not consistently doing the same charity, but picking some, some cause that really needed some support every year that would ultimately benefit the community. And we created what's called the event. This year was a record for us on Saturday night, two nights ago fortunate enough to host 1,300 guests, which was uh, by far the largest crowd we've ever had. I think I was most happy because we actually had to fill our 18th fairway at a top 20 golf course in California, Peachtree, with cars. So that was the first. And um, But we were fortunate to get Tyler Rich, who had the number one song in country music on all of Sidelot Radio. And uh, he's chart busting with his second hit called 1111. But his his number one song is called The Difference. It's red hot on country music right now. Tyler uh, is kind of projected as the next Kenny Chesney, and he is just an incredible young man, has an economics degree from Sacramento State, 
Actually, he was born and raised here in Yuba City, but has been in Nashville the last seven years. He's ground out a musical career over the last 12 years, and now all of a sudden he's an overnight success at 32 years old. He was on the Today Show a couple of weeks ago and just blew everybody away. And Tyler came back to town for his, his true homecoming, and we filled uh, filled the bowl with the Peachtree Amphitheater with 1,300 people and uh, raised a lot of money for this year's uh, charity. Was, we're building the Canine Police Dog Training Facility for Yuba Sutter in Yuba City. You know, we're a big supporter of law enforcement at Sierra Central Credit Union and all the first responders. And, and police dogs do such a wonderful thing of being able to calm situations down and also save police officers' lives. And so we're thrilled to be there. And, and, and so many credit union partners came in, Fiserv, CU Direct, CUNY Mutual, California Credit Union League, Allied Solutions. Uh, I don't want to leave anybody out, but we Coastal Business Systems, one of our local ones here, NorCal. Just some amazing uh, partnerships with folks from the credit union industry that helped us put that on again this year. So we're just you know thrilled with the success of, of the event. And uh, we had a couple hundred employees there. We had our business partner car dealers all there, uh, close to 100 of those folks, because we go from the Oregon border all the way to South Lake Tahoe with our 18-branch network. So it's kind of a festival for business partners, employees, families, and it was just an incredible night. And um, so, yeah, thanks for asking about that. We, we love to do stuff for the community that makes a difference uh, in all the communities that we serve. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. This podcast was sponsored by LSC, a credit union service organization that provides products and services that allow credit unions to exist, compete, and thrive in the financial marketplace by meeting the demands and needs of current and prospective members. Learn more at lsc.net.